Bibles, if you would, this morning, and let's uh, stand and turn to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter number 4, if you would. Aren't you glad for what the Lord's done for us? When the Lord looks at us, he sees us who are saved as justified. That's a beautiful word. That's a Bible word. You see, justified means just as if I had never even been a sinner. Isn't that a neat thought this morning? That when God sees us, that the love of God, Jesus, His righteousness was imputed unto our account. That when God looks at me and God looks at you, we who are sinners, that God sees that His blood has been applied to our lives. And it's because of Jesus that we stand here saved, justified. And God wants us to live a life that is not only justified, but sanctified. And one day, here's the best part, someday we shall be glorified. We shall be with Him. And what a, what a great day that will be. But today's lesson and message is about how we live our lives till we get to that place where we spend all of eternity with the Lord. And I trust that you know the Lord this morning as your Savior and so this morning, if you would, as we look in Acts chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 29, the Bible says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, when they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the Word of God. Pray that you'd bless the message this morning. May it fall on hearts that are tender, hearing ears. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This morning I continue my series on making a difference. When you think about our lives, I believe that as Christians that we should want and desire to make a difference. Now, it's not so that I can make a difference for myself, that it's that I can make a difference for the Lord, that I can help someone in this life to come to know Him as their Savior as he has made a difference in my life. And if you are saved this morning, I'm sure you can attest to the fact that he's made a difference in your life as well. The passage that we just looked at this morning, and we'll look at what's around that passage, but you have many things in your outline this morning that you received that you can follow along with the notes there. But I want you to consider that if we were to go back to Acts chapter number three, about two or three weeks ago, we looked at the fact that there was a man who was, as the Bible describes, lame from his birth. This man had never walked a day in his life. And every day, somebody would put him by the beautiful gate of the temple. As people were going into the house of God, this man was laying there asking alms. And if you remember, Peter and John, two of the servants of the Lord Jesus, two of those that walk with Jesus, they were going into the temple at, a, at the hour of prayer, and they saw the man like everyone else, and yet as 
the man saw them, he asked an alms of them, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter uttered the words, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the Bible says he took him by the right hand and immediately the man began to not only stand on his feet, but he began walking and leaping and praising God. By the way, when there's a change in a person's life, it ought to cause God's people to thank God for what God has done. Great things has he done in our lives. You know, we still serve a God who is a miracle God a wonder-working God. He is still an all-powerful God. Now, if you fast forward from the time that this man went into the temple with Peter and John, people see this man walking and leaping and praising God. They see that there is a major difference in this man's life. There were some people in Acts 4, because this is a continuation, that weren't as excited about this man's change in his life that this man had been healed. And the Bible records that they not only didn't care for this man who was making all this noise, walking and leaping and praising God at the top of his lungs, but they also didn't like what else they were hearing, and that was Peter's message to the crowd that day. Peter's message was about Jesus, about how Jesus had the power to heal. Remember what they said to that lame man? They said, why look upon us as though something of us had caused this man to be made whole? Because we all know that man cannot heal man. Now certainly God has gifted some doctors to be able to do some things, but the great physician has always been Jesus. You know, faith healers, the so-called faith healers of our day, they seem to be struggling with their own eyesight. If they were who they said they were, then I know if I was one, I would certainly go to the hospitals and start cleaning out the hospitals. Be nice if people could just go home without any sickness, any disease. But Jesus, the Son of God, can heal physically and spiritually. And this is the message that we see this morning that Peter was preaching. He was talking about the gospel. And folks, can I tell you that any time that the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, there's always going to be a mixed response. Today, in this auditorium, there might be a mixed response. Some may receive the message that God has this morning. Some may reject the message that God has this morning. But nonetheless, the message needs to go forth. And because Peter and John were servants of the Most High God, and because they were declaring that Jesus can heal and Jesus can save, in Acts 4, Peter and John were arrested for their faith in the Lord. They were hauled before a crowd, and that's where we find our passage this morning in Acts 4. And the question was raised to them, listen to this question, by what power or by what name have ye done this? They're talking about healing the lame man. In other words, whose power? Where did you get this power? There have been many over the course of history that, that if they could tap into some power source, they certainly would try to do that. 
And they saw that this man who had never walked before, now he was walking in his own strength. Something had happened to him. And they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? And I loved their response, that the power that this man was healed was their power, and their power was in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. Can I tell you this morning as you study the scriptures that the Bible clearly teaches that God is a triune God, that he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, if we didn't believe all of those, then we would not be a true church. Because we are people of the Word of God, and as we look in the Word of God, we, do, we see distinct characteristics and, 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 and virtues of each one of those persons of the Godhead. Now, I know for myself that over the years, it's been hard for me to kind of wrap my mind around that, but nonetheless, by faith, I believe that God the Father loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. God the Father, God the Son. Jesus, when he was on this earth, spent time, 33 and a half years of his life, he lived on this earth, and before he ascended back to be with the Father, he began to teach his followers, his disciples, that he was going away to prepare a place for them, but he says, I will not leave you comfortless. He says, I'm going to send one just like me that will guide you into all truth. Do you know in many churches today and even in many Christian lives that the one person of the Godhead that is the most overlooked is the Holy Spirit of God? You think to yourself this morning, how many messages have you ever heard about the Holy Spirit of God? Folks, where would we be without God's Holy Spirit? We need to understand. Now, before I go into the message, I want to take just a minute as a pastor, not only is my responsibility to preach the Word of God, but also to teach the Word of God. One of the things that is often a misunderstanding among Christians, whether they're young or old in the Lord, is this matter of the Holy Spirit and His role in our lives. If you study the Bible, here's what you find is, is that Jesus tells us that when we come to know Christ as our Savior, in other words, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It was God's Son that hung on that cross and died for the sins of the world. But understand this morning that when we get saved, Jesus said, it is the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you, John chapter 14. That means that when you get saved, when you trust Christ as your Savior, that Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. How can he be with us always? Well, the Holy Spirit of God is with us everywhere we go. The Bible says, your body is the temple of of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit resides in you. I know that before I was saved, before I became a child of God, when I would do something 
that was not pleasing to the Lord, something that a Christian would do, that oftentimes there was no conviction, it did not bother me. I, I oftentimes would never think about it, I would just do it because I was the old man, I was living a life of sin, that was what my flesh desired, but when I trusted Christ as my Savior and I invited the Lord into my life and the Holy Spirit took up residence in my life, now as a child of God, when I do something that I shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit of God begins to deal with me. The Holy Spirit of God begins to, to tell me this is not something that you should be involved in. That, that's not something you should say. If you're saved this morning, you know what I'm talking about. That is what is called or referred to as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So let me just be clear this morning that we are indwelled by the Spirit of God at the moment of salvation. Everybody with me this morning? If you're saved... The Holy Spirit of God is in your life. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you got saved, you received what God in his word refers to as eternal life, everlasting life. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So if you didn't save yourself, God saved you, can you lose your salvation, yes or no? no? No, because you never got it for yourself anyway. And God's not an Indian giver. God said, I give unto you eternal life, and that eternal life is forever. All right? Now, that's the first part. That's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there's another aspect of the Holy Spirit. That's what the lesson is about today. It's called the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. So you have the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. When we got saved, we received all of the Holy Spirit of God. You're not going to get more of the Holy Spirit somewhere down the road. There is not a second blessing. You received all of the Holy Spirit of God, according to the Word of God. But when we get saved in our lives, here's what happens is, is that as we receive the Holy Spirit of God, guess what? We still live in this flesh, right? And this flesh is weak. It's prone to wander. Even though we're saved, we've been delivered from sin. Many times we give in to temptations. We do things that we should not do. If anybody's wondering this morning what I'm talking about, in your own personal time, go to Romans chapter 7 and read the dilemma that the Apostle Paul, I believe one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, wrote. It's a tremendous treatise on the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Every day they're warring against each other. And so think about this this morning. You have the indwelling of the spirit, but what is the filling of the spirit? Well, here's what it is. Is as we are saved... That as we do things that we shouldn't, then in our lives, what we must come to the place is that we walk in the Spirit, we live in the Spirit, we are, we are empowered by the Spirit of God. So, just like your car, how many of you bought the car that you have, whether it was new or old, you filled it up one time with gasoline and you've never gone back to the pump again? Because whatever kind of car that is, I want to know what it is. Because I want one. 
Now think about this. You received all of the Holy Spirit, but because of all that we face in our lives, every day we need a fresh anointing from God's Holy Spirit. We need to be filled fresh and anew every day. Why? Because of all the things, the flesh and the lust and the devil, all these things, the world is all going to be pulling at us. I want you to look at these individuals this morning in this passage because I see some men here that were hauled before some religious leaders of the day. They were not happy about, listen to this, a man that was gloriously healed and saved. And as a result, they brought the servants of Jesus Christ in front of them. But I love what they did was they made a difference in front of them because they were individuals that were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, if you think about this this morning, I mean, you look at this, this is a, a glove. Now, this isn't one of mine because it's too nice, new, and pretty. My gloves do not look like this. I, I enjoy working, doing things with my hands. But this glove right here represents your life. Notice how limp, how useless you really are. I could, I, if I had something here, a piece of paper, I can't pick this up. I, I can't hold a pen with this. But something unique is, is that when the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life, that you're able to pick things up. You're able to do things that you could never do before. That's what these individuals in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, as they're called before this crowd, I want you to see the priority of being filled with the Spirit of God. As the crowd began to gather around them, Peter was given an opportunity uh, to defend the faith that he had in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pete, can I tell you this morning, look, Peter was a man that his education, his pedigree, his background, none of those things were important. The only thing that was important was that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 4, in verse number 8, the Bible says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. You see, the filling of the Spirit of God, it is necessary for every Christian in every circumstance Every day of your life is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Vance Habner said, for the Christian, all ground is holy ground and every bush is a burning bush. Every one of us need to understand what the Bible says in Ephesians 5. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. You see, the Bible's talking about this fact that we need to, in our lives, be controlled by the Spirit of God, to yield our lives to the Spirit of God, to allow Him to direct, as we read there in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. How many of you want God's Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth? That's what I want for my life. And I see that as you think about the priority of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Notice as the Bible teaches us, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is our promise. Up in the upper room as Jesus met with his disciples before he went to a place known as Calvary, Golgotha, and gave his life that we can have eternal life someday, Jesus uttered these words in John 16, 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or in your best interest that I 
that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter, let's say that, the isn't that a neat word? The Bible uses the word comforter. It's actually translated from the word parakletos, which is the word paraclete. It's a compound word, which means to come alongside of. You ever heard of a paramedic? When somebody's injured, what do they do? They come in that ambulance and they, they, they come to the scene. They get out with, with all their medicine and, and all their things to help those that are hurting. What does the Holy Spirit do? He comes alongside of us. He comforts us. Jesus said, yes, I'm going away and it's in your best interest that I go away and prepare a place. But listen, while I'm gone, he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He says, I'm going to send you a comforter. Look what, as we read on, he says, but I, if I depart, I will send him unto you. And Jesus says, I'm going to send him to you. And before Jesus ascended to back to be with the Father, he reminded his disciples of this promise once again. This wasn't the first time that he told them about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you this morning, as a Christian, his ministry, the Holy Spirit's ministry in your life is so important because, look, he told them in the Bible, you need to just wait where you're at until the Holy Spirit comes. Look what it says in Acts 1 and verse 4. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father... Which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now I want to just stop here before I move on to to just share one thing with you. The Holy Spirit of God, as you study the scriptures, here's what you'll find is, when Jesus came in the New Testament times, in this present day that we're living in, Jesus came to establish a new institution known as the church. In the Old Testament, God dealt with the nation of Israel. God had them erect what is known as the tabernacle in the wilderness. And after the tabernacle was the temple that David desired to build, but was not allowed to build. And so after that, when Jesus came, he, he came and he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Today, we are a part of the church of the living God. Aren't you glad to be a part of his church? Now, can I tell you from the scriptures, we are are not a part of the nation of Israel. They're two separate things as you study the word of God. But as we look at the Bible, understand this morning that the Holy Spirit of God, when you study the Old Testament, here's what you'll find. That there were instances where the Holy Spirit of God would come upon an individual for a specific task or at a specific moment and something great, something miraculous, something of great power would happen. For instance, we all know the story in the Old Testament of a man by the name of Samson. We all understand some of his fleshly desires. We understand how he got himself in trouble. We understand that as the Bible describes, there was something about his strength and They wanted to tap into that strength. They wanted to know, where does that strength come from? Does that sound like Acts 4? By whose power are you able to do this? They wanted to know, and they told her, why don't you ask him? And she began to stroke his hair, and finally, after wearing him down and wearing him down, 
he finally told her. They cut his hair. Next thing you know, he lost his strength. They put his eyes out. But the last act of Samson's life, he did more for God in that last instance than he did in his entire life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God came upon him and enabled him to do something that he could not do in and of himself. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit of God was not a permanent indwelling presence. But when you get to the New Testament, you find that the Bible mentions that he was the promise of the Father. That in the New Testament time, that, that every person, when they become a believer in Christ, that the Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in our lives. That everywhere you go, listen, whether it's good or bad, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And that's one way that you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God is to go somewhere, say something, do something that is not pleasing to the Father. And that's why the Bible mentions here that they were to wait in Jerusalem. The Bible says, ye have heard that John truly baptized with water, talking about John the Baptist out in the wilderness, that the Bible says that ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That's what that's talking about, is it's a transitional time where God was going to send. Now listen, here's the whole truth, all right? Jesus was God, right? I think I'm in the right church. Jesus was God? As long as Jesus was on the earth, there was no need for the Holy Spirit because God dwelt among us. You ever heard the name Emmanuel? God with us. But watch this. When Jesus died, remember he said it was expedient. When Jesus died for the sins of the world, he was buried, and he rose again, and he spent 40 days on this earth after his resurrection. And then watch this. As he ascended, as he went up, the Holy Spirit came down. And that's why the Bible tells us that he's our comforter. He was the promise of the Father. That's what we see here is that he was promised to them. We see the Holy Spirit is our promise, but we also see that he is our power. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost. That power doesn't come before you receive. It's after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. The word power that he uses here in Acts 1.8, You'll probably, when I say this word, you'll probably think of another word. The word is the word dunamis. The word dunamis means strength, miraculous power, abundant might. The origin of this word, we get our English word dynamite. Dynamite. Now, can I tell you that as we think of dynamite, what do we think of? We think of destructive but it's not so with God. That's not the kind of power that he's talking about here. Jesus said, all power, all dunamis is given unto me 
both in heaven and earth, and he says, go ye therefore with that same power. We've been given power. Well, where does that power come from? It's available through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. The only way that you or I could ever accomplish anything of eternal significance is that you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, were able to do that. You see, the Holy Spirit is our power. And all God's people should say, Amen. Amen. He is our power. We need to be experiencing His fullness and the highest priority in our life is to have the Holy Spirit work in our lives. And so we see the priority of being filled with the Spirit of God. But listen, many times say, well, okay, well, how does this work, Pastor? How does the Bible tell us? Well, look back in verse 31 of Acts chapter 4. The Bible says, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but look at it again. How many of them were filled with the Holy Ghost? All. I want you to think about that as we consider the pathway. How does this happen, the fullness of the Holy Spirit? It's not just, listen to me, it's not just for the apostles. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the missionaries or the evangelists. It's for every believer to experience the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and not just a one-time situation, but on a daily basis. Well, how do we do this? Four steps, and I hope you take note of these this morning. The first step, the pathway to being filled with the Spirit, is you have to connect with God. You must connect with God. It's a priority. Well, how do we do that? We do that through reading our Bibles, through spending time in prayer. If you go back in this chapter in verse 13, the Bible says in that verse that they took knowledge of Peter and John that they had been with Jesus. Well, how do you, how do you spend time with Jesus? Listen, I have never physically sat down with Jesus, but every day I can open my Bible. And every day I can spend time with him. Every day I can get on my knees. And I can fall prostrate before him. And I can spend time in prayer. And I can connect with him. Listen, being filled with the Spirit of God, it begins with connecting with the Lord. We need to spend time connecting with him. Jesus said, here's how you do it. Listen, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me... Ye can do nothing. Did you see the connection? The vine and the branch. They're connected. See, do you connect with the Lord every day in your life? Through prayer, through Bible study? I know over the years I've had a couple of, well, I've had quite a few automobiles over the years. I've never been very good with automobiles. I try to be kind to them. But I know this, that sometimes my car is running fine. And then all of a sudden, I go out to get in it, and it won't start. You know, when that happens in my life, I usually think to myself, well, it's broken, time to get a new one. One day, I was, I was around this, this guy that I knew and years ago, and he says, have you checked the battery cables? I'm like, why? What's the purpose in that? Well, sometimes the battery cables get corrosion on them. I'm like, seriously? And he's like, yeah. Popped the hood, and I mean, there was, there was like this ball of white stuff around both the, the posts 
on my battery. I was like, what is that? And he goes, that's battery acid. I was like, well, how'd it get there? And he says, sometimes it just builds up. It keeps your cables from connecting so that your car can start. And he took out some tools and took off the cables and began to clean them up, put them back on, and amazing, the car started. I mean, I, I would have went out and bought a new battery. I would have went out and bought a new car. But many times in our lives, things begin to build up, and what we need to do is we need to go back to the Word of God. We need to go back to spending time in prayer. We need to go back to connecting with Him, because if we do not connect with Him, what are we going to miss out on? We're going to miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We must connect with God. Without the Holy Spirit's fullness, you know what you're going to miss out on? You're going to miss out on a major source of wisdom, power, comfort, direction for your life. Listen, those are all things that God wants for you as a Christian, but you have to connect with Him first. That's one of the ways that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But look at the second one. After we connect with God, we must confess to God. Forsake the sin in your life, the weights that the Bible says does so easily beset us. Because all those sins and those weights, you know what they're going to do? The same thing that that corrosion on my battery cables will do, they will prevent the Holy Spirit of God's fullness and power in your life. We must understand that we must clear the obstacles and the barriers that will present, uh, prevent the flow of His Holy Spirit in our lives I know that uh, growing up, and, and I had sisters, and, and uh, God never blessed me with a brother. I guess he knew what he was doing, and then God gave me a wife and gave me four daughters and no sons, and I guess God knew what he was doing, but the one thing that, I'll tell you, one of the greatest tools that I've ever found in my life is somebody invented this skinny little piece of plastic that has these little gnarly things on it that you, you jam it down in your drain. And you pull it back out, and it pulls the hair out of the drain with it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The rest of you, you need to go find one of these. <laughs> I have no idea. Whoever it is is making a, a, a fortune off of this thing, but it's one of the great. Because my sink many times on my side of the bathroom, it works fine. My wife's sink does not work fine most of the time. My daughters over the years would come to me and say, Dad, the water's not draining in the tub. And I'm like, why not? I don't know. And I'll go in there and listen, is it not only not draining, but it's like half full with water. And the drain's open. And so I'll, I'll wait for the water to go down. I'll go get my little yellow stick. I'll jam it down in there. And I'll, I mean, I, I pulled up. One time I thought it was a dog I pulled out of there. <laughs> There was so much hair down in there. I'm like, some kid from China came up through the drain, you know? It's unbelievable. Listen, the water couldn't flow through there. And listen, when we get things in our lives and we're not connecting with God and we're not confessing the sin in our lives, the pathway for God's Holy Spirit's power to work will not flow through us. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But listen, your iniquities, your sin, he says, 
have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You can't be filled with self and be filled with the Spirit. Let me say that again. You can't be filled with self and be filled with the Spirit. The problem is, is we're so full of ourselves, but we must empty ourselves of sin, and we must empty ourselves of self in the flesh. We must come clean with God. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Listen, once we've established the connection with God, we must confess to God or we will never see a filling and the power of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Well, what's the next step? The pathway. After we've confessed to God, we need to call on God. Jesus told us that there was one thing that we needed to do when it came to the Holy Spirit's power in our lives and having His presence in our lives. He says, you just need to do one thing. And here it is. Are you ready? Ask. You need to ask. You see, you have not because you ask not. See, you know it. Look at the Bible says in Luke 13, uh, chapter 11, verse 13. If ye be, being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? When's the last time you asked God for His Holy Spirit's power in your life, His presence in your life? Look, take time every morning to ask God to help you to empty yourself of self and to fill you with His Spirit. Ask Him to replace your human nature with his divine nature. Ask God to direct your words and your actions and your thoughts and your motives and your decision. Ask him to take the old man and to put him to death so that the new man can live in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 6, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the, the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth, or from that time forward, we should not serve sin. See, God doesn't want us to be enslaved to sin. God has delivered us. He has freed us. And our goal is not that we would control our bodies, but that he that dwells within us, the Holy Spirit of God, would be the one in control. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. He says, I, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The songwriter Francis Havergill, I think he understood this matter of having a spirit-controlled life and having the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives as he wrote the words to the song, Take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Folks, listen, the pathway to being filled with the Spirit of God, is we've got to connect with God and we've got 
to confess to God and we've got to call on God. But the fourth part of that pathway is we've got to continue with God every day, walking with Him, exercising sensitivity to God's Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, follow His directions. And can I tell you that walking in the Spirit doesn't come naturally. It goes against our, our desires of our lives but every day, all day, every day, we must walk in the Spirit throughout the day. Here's what maybe you'll need to do. Maybe you'll need to find yourself a time where you'll need to pull over and stop and pray. Maybe, maybe there will be a time during the day that the Holy Spirit will help you to bite your tongue. Maybe there will be a time during the day where you'll have to make an apology or you'll have to correct an error. Or you'll have to avoid a temptation or maybe you'll have to refuse a sinful opportunity. That's why Paul knew that they were struggling in Galatia and he wrote to them and said, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My pastor always said, Obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will help you day in and day out, every day, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall, that's God's promise, direct thy paths. Well, there, see the priority of the Holy Spirit. We need God's Holy Spirit. If we're going to be filled, it's a priority that we understand that he is our power. But then the pathway is we've got to connect with him and we've got to confess to God and we've got to call on God. We've got to ask him for the Holy Spirit's filling in our lives, and then we've got to continue with him every day of our lives. And so notice thirdly this morning, what's the product of being filled with the Spirit of God? What does it look like? Well, that brings us back to Acts 4, because the Bible says, look at verse 29, at what they said, these two servants, now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Now, the Bible's been talking here about this matter of the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. You see that coming out in Acts chapter 4, back in verse 13, where the Bible says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Also in that same chapter, here in verse 31, it says they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak the word of God with, here it is again, boldness. And then interesting how that is talking here about having boldness. Where does boldness come from? Well, I know this, that even for most Christians, because of our nature, because of our flesh, we're oftentimes very hesitant to open our mouths and talk about the Lord to other people. Most Christians have never witnessed to someone else. They've never told somebody about the wonder-working power of God in their own lives. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God can be the one to enable us to have a boldness to say things that need to be said, things that we should say. The Holy Spirit gives us the boldness to speak up when it's not easy to share our faith, even in the midst of opposition, like they were here in Acts chapter number 4. We can't win others to Christ without the Holy Spirit's boldness. We can't influence the world, be salt and light as God's people without the Holy Spirit's fullness. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Last time I checked, 
He's the king of the jungle. That's what you need to do is say, Lord, help me to be a king of the jungle for you. Help me to tell others about you. Peter and John, listen, this wasn't an easy thing. Look, it was easy for Peter and John to walk by that man and say, silver and gold have I none, and to reach out their hand, and by the power of God, that man was raised. You know why? Because Peter and John didn't do that. God raised that man. But now they were standing in the midst of this angry crowd, and they're saying, by whose power, by whose authority have you done this? Now they're the ones on the hot seat. How were they going to survive this? How were they going to get through this ordeal? By the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, God was going to give them the boldness by His Spirit. And see, the the Spirit produces a bold witness. But secondly, the Holy Spirit produces a steady walk. The Bible says in Acts 4 and verse 18, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But look at this. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. But we, notice, cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You know what they were saying? You can do whatever you want to us. You can throw us in prison. You ever hear hear this verse in the Bible, He being dead yet speaketh? You see, many times, even after we're gone from this world, our lives, our testimonies. Hey, aren't we still talking about missionaries and martyrs who gave their lives and their lives live on because of the faith that they have in God? God gave them by His Spirit a boldness to witness, but notice God's Spirit produces a steady walk. Even in the face of being threatened, these men walk steady. What a lesson for all of us this morning. They wouldn't allow politics. They wouldn't allow religion. They wouldn't even allow pressure to keep them from telling people about Jesus. And in this day that we live in, in such a day where everything is drifting off course and we live in a culture that is so confused about who is Jesus and what did Jesus do and and what Bible to read and what to believe about God, can I tell you that we need God's Holy Spirit to help us who are children of God to maintain a steady walk with Him every day of our lives. And not listen, not just in our prayer closets, but also out in this world, that we would be salt and light for others to see the God that we know and the Holy Spirit that empowers us. The Holy Spirit produces a bold witness and he produces a steady walk, but notice he also produces a divine work. The Bible says back in verse 30, by stretching forth thine hand to heal and by signs and wonders may be done by thy name of the holy child Jesus. See, these Christians, as you study back a couple chapters, They had seen a thousand people saved and then they they saw this man, this lame man was healed. And in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 4, the Bible says of the men, I mean, we don't know about the ladies, but there were 5,000 men that were saved in Acts chapter number 4. They had seen all these happen, all these miraculous things happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I have to believe this, that they believed that if God can do those things miraculously, that there were greater days ahead of them. How many of you believe that God is still able this morning? How many believe that God still wants to work this morning? How many believe God still can work this morning? How many believe God can still save this morning? Listen, how many believe God can still change hearts 
Folks, I'm going to tell you, if you don't believe that, you might as well fold your Bible up and walk out those doors. But I serve a God that can. All things are possible through Him. And every one of us need to understand that the Spirit of God, they understood the Holy Spirit had come. The promise of the Father, His presence was there. Anything was possible and they needed to learn and they had trusted God. And this morning, God is telling us that we need to pray like they prayed and we need to trust God more than we've ever trusted Him before His Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Maybe we should say something like this, Dear God, in my life, in my family, my children, my marriage, or my career, please accomplish so great a work that it is clear to all that you were at work here. You may exceed our expectations that the results are obvious. They are a product of your power and not that in and of ourselves. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I want to illustrate this this morning. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Kenny, Brother Chris to bring something out this morning. But I want you to think about this this morning. The Holy Spirit of God, He was Jesus' promise to us. And the Holy Spirit of God is the source of our power. The Holy Spirit came to live within us. And the moment that you were saved, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your lives. I hope in your life that you know Christ as your Savior. I hope that you're a child of God this morning because if you are not saved, the most important decision that you could make today is to put your faith and trust in Christ. But understand beyond that, that God wants all of us, you can remove that if you would, God wants all of us to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. I was thinking about a way to illustrate this and A lot of times, I know that my wife says this often, my wife usually will say that she's a very visual person, but the the truth is, a lot of times, I am too. Anybody else in here kind of visual person? You got to see it to believe it, right? That's the way many people are. They just got to see it to believe it. I've just spent about 35 minutes talking about the fullness of the Spirit of God. I've shared many scriptures with you this morning. My prayer as a preacher this morning is is that you understood what was taught and preached this morning. And the reality is, is that I can't teach you anything. God, by His Holy Spirit, is the teacher. But I oftentimes thought, how can I illustrate what God has been trying to get us to understand this morning? And God brought me to a place and I came across this illustration and it helped me and I hope this morning it will help you. And for just a couple moments, I'd like for you to just to pay attention and indulge me for a a couple minutes here. But the Bible talks about our lives that we are a vessel. I just read that verse in 2 Corinthians that we are earthen vessels. And so God has given us this life. He's given you your body, your personality. We are body, soul, and spirit. When we get saved, remember I told you that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You see the the water in here. The Holy Spirit took up resonance. I didn't take the time. I could have filled this up, which might have better illustrated it. But nonetheless, the Spirit is in me, just like this water is in this, this jar. 
And as you think about that this morning, many times when we get saved, this water, notice, is clear. As a matter of fact, nice tap water. It's not holy water. So as you think about that, when, the, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And oftentimes when you read the Bible, here's what you find is it illustrates the purity of God. Notice how clear this is. Now, if you were closer, you might see some of the impurities, but you can see it from there. It looks pretty clear. But after we get saved, are we rid of all sin in our lives? No. There's still things there. You still have some of the friends you had before you got saved, right? You still work the same job. You still have maybe things even in your own lives. Maybe some of your vocabulary didn't leave you when you got saved. There's still things that are there. Now, no doubt the Bible says we're a new creature in Christ. Okay? But the Holy Spirit now is in us. And so every day, remember I talked about that pathway. Every day things happen in our lives. And so I'm going to illustrate this with a couple of things. Let's see here this morning. Uh, a lot of times when it comes to things in our lives, one easy thing is, is oftentimes we will, we will fabricate or we will lie about something. And so when we lie about something as a Christian, that goes into our lives. And so notice what it does to our lives. It changes things. Um, sometimes we even have maybe something happens and and uh, somebody, somebody does something and we become envious. We're, we're blue with envy. And so that goes into our lives, a little envy there. And then uh, maybe, uh, maybe we have uh, somebody, somebody does something, somebody gets a promotion or whatever it is, and, and we become jealous of them. And so we, we put a little in there. And so uh, we've got jealousy and lying and, and other things in our lives. And then uh, let's see here. I'll have to set this down. Uh, Let's see here. We've got we've got bitterness, vinegar, and uh, and so we 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 have some some bitterness in our lives. Maybe we're more bitter than others. <laughs> and so and so uh, you know, uh, would you say our life has has changed some since we got saved? And uh, let's see here. Oh, um, hatred, hot sauce. And so uh, we, we, we have hatred towards people we shouldn't. Some of us are really hateful, really hateful. And, uh, and so we, we, we struggle with that. We, we struggle with hatred in our lives. I don't think I'm going to lick my fingers. And, uh, and so let's see here. Oh, one last thing is uh, we oftentimes, because of maybe uh, immorality, adultery, Things that oftentimes Christians don't talk about. Those, those black things in our lives. Those dark things that we think nobody knows about. Pornography. Those things that, listen, nobody may know about them, but God does. And, uh, and so then what we do is we, we allow that, those dark things into our lives. And so our life has drastically changed. And so now, with all of this in our lives, we're ready to go out into the world and be salt and light for the Lord. Boy, what a model Christian. 
I mean, everybody that we come into contact with, we can talk the talk, but if they really saw our hearts, this is what they see. But you know what's awesome about the Word of God is, is that, remember, you're indwelled with the Spirit of God one time at salvation. But how many times can you be filled with the Spirit of God? Every day, as much as you want. As a matter of fact, the actual reading of the Word of God, here's what it means. It doesn't mean, but be filled with the Spirit of God. It, it means, but be, be being filled with the Spirit of God. Here's what that translates to. Just go on and continue every day, all day, being filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what we need is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because when we're full of self, there's no place for the Spirit of God in our lives. So remember, remember here's the key. I told you there was one word. What do we have to do? A-S-K. What do we have to do? Ask. All right? So since you ask, we're going to ask God's Holy Spirit to start filling us. And the Holy Spirit of God is going to start to fill us. And he's going to continue, be being filled with the Spirit of God. And notice as the Holy Spirit of God fills us, that in our lives, those things that shouldn't be there, the Holy Spirit of God is replacing those. So if we continue to ask, he'll continue to work. He'll continue to help us with those things that we struggle with, those situations in our lives, those deep secrets, those dark things that no one else knows about. He'll continue to help us every day because we can't do it in and of ourselves. But if we ask the Holy Spirit, he will continue. And notice as he does that it's not just flowing in, it's flowing out. That it's an overflowing presence. That the Holy Spirit of God will continue to fill our lives so that when people, listen, we're not perfect. We still make mistakes. But can you see the difference now? I mean, it. I thought there might be a little hot sauce in it, but <laughs> there wasn't. Isn't that a wonderful thought this morning? But that illustration, that illustration this morning is exactly what the Bible teaches. So many times we live our lives not in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit because of all the sin and all the things that we allow in our lives. Folks, listen. Again, read Romans 7. The greatest Christian outside of Jesus was Paul. And if that man struggled day in and day out, you and I will too. But God has given us his Holy Spirit to comfort us and to help us that our lives would be clean so that they could be used by God. What's the pathway? Connect with God. Confess to God. Call on God. And continue with God. And if we do that, the product will be a bold witness, a steady walk, and a divine work. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for how the Holy Spirit has worked in our lives. 
I thank you most of all for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, Lord, I apologize as a preacher for not teaching and preaching enough on the Holy Spirit. God, may you help us to study and know more about the comforter, the paraclete, the one that will guide us in all truth. Thank you for helping us to understand this morning. And I pray this morning that if there is someone that doesn't know Christ, that they would come today and put their faith and trust in Jesus, the one who gave his life that they can have eternal life. And if they are saved this morning, Lord, I pray that we would fall on our faces this morning and that we would seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. No doubt he dwells in us if we're saved. But this morning, we know and we desire to be filled with the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you